Welcome to the Chronicles of Amanda Cheremiah, Episode 3. This episode corresponds to Chapter 4, Holistic Worldviews and Methodologies. Inspired by other poems written in this chapter, I created a free verse poem called The 20th Grade. It's hard being a doctoral student. Why am I on this journey? That's right, I'm called by the Lord to fulfill this calling. I'm in the 20th grade. Be a doctor. No, not a medical doctor. A philosophy doctor. I'm still in the 20th grade. Calculate it. I'm in the 20th grade. That's a long time in school. It's about we, not me. Invest in me, and you're raising up a collective we. I'm still in the 20th grade. Indigenous scholars, it's always about we. How do we get other indigenous scholars to the 20th grade? I'm designed to change the nations. Can I do that in 20th grade? So my poem expresses the search for self, a common theme of Absalom's book. Before I read a passage from this chapter, it's important to understand the spelling of two important words. Rewriting, which is spelled R-E-W-R-I-T-I-N-G, and rewriting, which is spelled R-E-R-I-G-H-T-I-N-G. In this chapter, Absalom writes, quote, The backbone of indigenous research comprises a critique of colonialism, imperialism, and Euro-Western research on Aboriginal peoples. A critical consciousness among the researchers expresses a commitment to, quote, rewriting and rewriting our histories, experiences, and realities. Because Absalom is pretty deep, (laughs) I'll say this quote again. The backbone of indigenous research comprises a critique of colonialism, imperialism, and Euro-Western research on Aboriginal peoples. A critical consciousness among the researchers expresses a commitment to rewriting and rewriting our histories, experiences, and realities. In this passage, I emphasize the words rewriting and rewriting. Again, the first spelled R-E-W-R-I-T-I-N-G, meaning the retelling of our narratives, indigenous narratives in the literature. The second word spelled rewriting, R-E-R-I-G-H-T-I-N-G, insinuates correcting, fixing, and restoring our environment as though it hadn't been impacted by colonialism, imperialism, and Euro-Western research. Our societies were rightly centered before these things entered the Americas. We as educators and scholars are here today and working toward making things right again. The 20th grade, or the second year as a doctoral student, I'm learning how to write, W-R-I-T-E, from an indigenous perspective. And the 19th grade, or my first year as a doctoral student, 
I took two semesters of the history of American Indian education through the American Indian Studies Department with Dr. Mary Jo Tipaconic Fox, who was Kiowa from Oklahoma. I learned from emergence to present the sophisticated and complex learning systems of American Indian communities. I learned how colonialism greatly fractured generations of American Indian students. However, most importantly, I learned or rather realized how our people, indigenous people, are strong, resilient learners that have and will continue to adapt, thrive, and flourish within various environments. One of the most meaningful and impactful times that resonated with me was the establishment of the American Indian Boarding Schools, which took place in the late 19th and 20th century. While there are varying accounts of positive and negative experiences from American Indian students who attended boarding schools, frequently cited narratives emerge from the first boarding school, Carlisle Industrial, Carlisle Indian Industrial School. At Carlisle, many American Indian youth from across the country were forcibly taken to the militarized school. They were stripped of their culture, language, sense of well-being, and connection to their ancestral homelands. When Indian youth first arrived at Carlisle, the school's photographer captured many images of youth who often had long hair and wore their traditional garments, which are reflective of their tribal communities. Regalia often included jewelry, beadwork, moccasins, and headdresses. Then when students permanently left Carlisle, the school's photographer captured students again, which showed a drastic transformation that showcased students in militarized uniforms, they had short hair, and there were no remnants of traditional jewelry or regalia. One of the most recognized and memorable photos from Carlisle is that of Tom Torlino, a Diné or Navajo student. Placed side by side, Tom's before and after profile headshots convey a perceived transformation that students at Carlisle became educated and they were taken from savagery to civilized humans. Tom's photograph of him entering Carlisle showcases a draped blanket over his right shoulder, a big, bold necklace. Both his ears were pierced with hoop earrings the size of a 50-cent coin, and he had long black hair. His departing headshot shows Tom in his suit and a tie, no jewelry or blanket, and short combed hair. A native SOAR, an undergraduate class that equips students who are primarily indigenous to mentor local middle school and high school students in southern Arizona, I often share Tom's photo with native SOAR students. Why? Because it's important to know where our ancestors have been in order to appreciate the opportunities we have been afforded to as students in higher education. I honor those indigenous students like Tom who came before me and endured so much for the purpose of sustaining our culture and heritage. In his own way, I'd imagine he did the best he could to preserve and proclaim his Diné culture in the midst of a tumultuous circumstances at Carlisle. So, how are you, my friends, rewriting, R-E-W-R-I-T-I-N-G, 
and rewriting R-E-R-I-G-H-T-I-N-G, History, Experiences, and Realities of Indigenous People. Today, I honor Tom Torlino and all my ancestors who paved the way for me to get to the 20th grade. <laughs>